Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, joined today by my co-host, Tom Lewis, as always. Uh, before we get started, uh, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out, grow this thing, get some exposure, um, which is, you know, that's what we want. I, we're, we're pumping out some content, and I know you guys are liking it. I, I'm, I'm really appreciating all the feedback we're getting. Um, one more review and we're at 40. So let's pump it up, see if we can get to 50 by the end of next month. See what happens. I don't know. Um, Tom, how are you doing today? Uh, doing well. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that it's 45 degrees and drizzling rain right now, I'd swear it was like late June with all the NBA news we're sorting through here. So yeah, exactly. It was like uh, several weeks. <laughs> it was like, was it like 70? I, I think it was 70 degrees on Sunday. Was it Sunday or Saturday? That was, no, it was Sunday. Oh yeah. Last week it was yeah. crazy. Or no, that was Friday. I can't remember. It's all like jumbled up in my head. This is going to be the weirdest off season of all time. And uh, probably not going to last long either. <laughs> oh, maybe the longest one of all time. Not longest, what? longest feeling. Like it's going mean, to right now we're at what? Like 57 days until the proposed season start on December 22nd. Right. Yeah. But all of a sudden it's going to be go time. Yeah. I mean, we already have like, even today we have a bunch of stuff dropping. Like um, the first thing that, that we can talk about right off the bat, um, something just dropped today from the Kansas city star uh, that Kansas city is, is putting out its bid to, to host Toronto um, for the, the, the upcoming season since Canada's borders are still not open. Um, and with Louisville kind of falling out. And what's interesting is that this kind of appears to be a little bit of a bid at kind of like, uh, you know, we were talking about this before, Tom, but you, you mentioned sort of like what OKC did in mm -hmm. when Katrina hit New Orleans um, in trying to, you know, show that this would be a viable NBA city. Uh, Kansas City's trying to do the same thing, which brings up a lot of questions uh, in terms of league expansion and, and all that, which I think is interesting to, to hit on really quickly. Um, first of all, I don't know about the validity of Kansas City as an NBA team. I've never been to Kansas City, um, but uh, I, I don't know. What what kind of your initial reaction and thoughts on that time? Uh, well, I know that, yeah, they, they did build, kind of like Louisville, they built the NBA-ready uh, arena uh, several years back. I mean, they have been. They did have the Kings at one point, um, and it definitely is a – probably you know pretty good basketball area could definitely support one but i'm probably the wrong guy to ask about any other city and expansion because they can all get behind seattle yeah no i was gonna say i knew you're gonna bring it up and i, I was gonna try and bring it up first i have that it's funny because i i didn't even get into basketball until the sonics were done as a team but like in going back and watching those are some of my favorite teams to go watch like the I mean, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, obviously Nate. I mean, those were just fun teams. Hersey Hawkins is one of my favorite players that people don't know about. Like, he was really good. Um, if Seattle is not the first city to get a team if in, in a league expansion, I think that would be yeah. just ridiculous. Well, I, I mean, and also the fact that the, the league 
I mean, the, the amount of money in Seattle is rivaled only by the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, corporate money and, and you know, personal wealth of, of people there. So it is definitely, you know, going to be first in line no matter when they they uh, expand. But, you know, Louisville's been a viable city for a while, and I think, you know, their proximity to Indy doesn't help them at all. Uh, Kansas City, I know they've been they've been pushing um, for a few years as well, and and built an arena with that in mind. So I mean, for them to they got to go after this Raptors thing for sure, just like Louisville did. Louisville got shut down by the by the team, but um, it is a you know it's a smart move, and you know it it definitely helped. Uh, you know, there's no there's no doubt OKC would would not have a team now if they didn't um, show out so well when they when they hosted the um, Hornets and, and as you mentioned earlier. So good move by them. Got, uh, Raptors got to go somewhere. So I guess being centrally located there, KC would be uh, not a bad spot. I know people have mentioned having them go up to Seattle, but at this point it's like, you know, we're talking bubbles, mini bubbles or, you know, getting in groups and, and being able to have some round robins possibly. We don't know what the schedule is going to be. I think uh, at least being in Kansas City would be a little easier to, to handle for, for the NBA. Yeah, yeah, and I know right away, I mean, it's uh, it's supposed to be 72 games. Uh, I talked about this on the Friday pod that I did a little bit. That was just a quick hitter. Um, so 72 games, and there's a potential where it will be like baseball series. Because right now there there's like – but from everything that's come out of the Board of Governors meeting, which did not finalize anything but put a lot in motion, we're expecting to have some more finalized stuff this week. Um, but uh, basically, there's not going to be bubbles next year because it's just monetarily, it's almost impossible to, to make that happen for an entire regular season. Um, and so I, I think that brings up – I was talking with Tim Karangis, who he he does uh, – he the gosh, I can't even speak. He's uh, the lead guy for, for basketball index and does some really awesome stuff with the Lakers podcast, Lakers exceptionalism, um, just incredible basketball mind. We were talking about this uh, last week on, you know, what this could look like and the way that it could shift things tactically for, for teams. If you're playing, you know, three or four games in a row against somebody, even if it's only two, I mean, that totally changes things up in a regular season. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on and, and think about looking forward and, Another thing, too, that I want to ask you about, Tom, because you, you mentioned this before we got on, too, with Danny Green's comments um, uh, on that ringer pot he was on about, you know, if the, if the, the league starts up in December, there are guys who aren't going to be there. Um, I think something yeah. that, that comes to my mind as well, maybe less so for uh, – well, definitely less so for, obviously, the Delete Eight. You know, they haven't played since March, so I get them wanting to play – um, I mean, I get like the league starting March. this early. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's March. crazy to think about. I mean, those teams are like, what are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, you, you look at that right away and you're like, okay, well, those guys are going to come out ready, like right off the rip. You look at some of the teams that were out early, like the Pacers um, or maybe like a team like Phoenix who didn't make the playoffs. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to be too worried about health and fatigue, but you look at the people who played in, you know, second round, uh, and then the conference finals, like Denver, the Lakers, uh, I not the Clippers because they they got it. Well, I mean, they were out in the second round, but I mean, like Miami, too. Um, these teams are probably still gassed. I mean, they're, they're going to have a much shorter offseason 
um, than they're accustomed to. And I always want to bring up that the hiatus was not really an off season. These guys were still keeping warm and really trying to stay in shape in really difficult conditions to, uh, to, to be ready for an uncertain time of the season. Like they had no idea when the season was going to come back until there was kind of a set date. Um, so I, I, I think with the top teams, we could really see them going like very deep in their rosters, playing like a, a full rotation, like 12 or 13 guys going the entire bench. And we could see, uh, I don't want to, I hate the frame, the fr- framing of the word load management is annoying to me, so I'm not going to use it. Um, but I mean, we could see guys sitting, sitting out or maybe LeBron's only playing 15 minutes a game, 15 or 20 minutes a game to start the year. So I think that, man, especially with how loaded the West is next year. And I think the East will be too, uh, with Brooklyn coming about and, uh, we still have all of the free agency to happen to see how that shakes out. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how things shake out with, um, just kind of the different ways that teams might attack at least like the first two or three months of the season. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, I, the, even though they, they had to stay ready during that time, I mean, they weren't playing games. So there was a, a pretty good gap there, even for the Lakers and, and the Heat um, during the pandemic where they, you know, they weren't going full board. Um, so that should help overall with the mileage on these guys. Um, obviously, I think, you know, the, like, like you mentioned, those last four teams are probably feeling like, wow, we just finished. Um, but in reality, they also weren't traveling at all. Um, you know, they had their downtime there in the bubble, even though it sucked for them, you know, from an emotional standpoint. Physically, I, I would think, um, you know, is about as good as it could be. And the fact is, the reason they moved it up, or at least, it, you know, the, the league is trying to move it up. They, you know, reportedly lost $1.5 billion. And, you know, that's the bottom line. You know, and when we talk about the salary cap and what guys might be making, I mean, the, the salary cap is pretty much kind of an artificial number. What what they get is the percentage of the basketball-related income that comes in, and then, and then they um, – you know, they shift it based on the percentages of what that is. So if they're losing money, um, there's guys that aren't going to get paid. So I can see where Danny Green's probably like, oh, my gosh, I feel like we just finished. I can't believe we're going to play on December 22nd. But in reality, for the business, and, you know, there's a lot, there's a growing gap between players who are making four, five, six, seven million dollars a year and guys who are making 20 to 30 to 40 million a year. Um, there's guys that want to get paid <laughs> yeah. and play basketball. And like you said, I mean, there's, you know, so many teams that haven't even played since March. So um, there's a lot of, you know, disparate voices in this uh, situation. And for the league, you know, it's about staying viable and they already know they don't want to dip into the, NFL time. They want to, they want to get their, their calendar kind of reset and back um, to where they can be playing at during basketball time when they have their better ratings and the better, um, you know, where, where they have the focus on them. So, yeah, every, I, I, I guess 
everybody's got to sacrifice a little bit here on some level. And for the better teams, that may be their sacrifices. They may have to, you know, ease their way into the season, maybe dump a few games here and there um, because they got to they gotta get going, get that money flowing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be uh, very hectic. Um, I, I really – it's, it's kind of funny because – not to say that we went through like anything remotely close to the bubble, but we went from like all that and, and, you know, kind of trying to handle all that content on the fly to like the next two months are just going to be insane. Tom, I have, <laughs> I'm really excited for it, but also I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is a unprecedented times, no doubt. Um, so I know. Well, I mean, just real quick to that point. I mean, you're right. Everybody's going, I mean, everybody's going through stuff, not just NBA players. Every, I mean, I, I'm working at home. Um, I don't know when we're going back into my office. Um, and that's the same for people all over the place. Other people are, are working, um, you know, customer-facing jobs where they're having to go in, and maybe they don't want to. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on at, that people don't want to do. It, and so there is no normal anymore. And that, you know, that goes for NBA players as well. So if they want to get back to kind of close to normal where they're getting paid, um, they're going to they're gonna have to, you know, take some hits as well. So and that's that's just where we are, 2020. Yeah, I'm very ready for 2020 to be done. Uh, actually, well, two more months in, in about three days. So uh, keep your fingers crossed. We'll get through it. So, um, you know, today, unless you have anything else you want to add, we're, uh, we're about ready to rip into the mailbag pod. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Awesome. So we're going to start off, uh, just kind of interspersed. Uh, I know we got a lot of, uh, ideas from, from some of the same people. So we're going to go through and make sure that we hit one from everybody real quick, and then we'll come back around at the end if we have time. Um, so right off the bat, we got a couple of trade ideas from an infinity zero system error. Um, the first idea is the Spurs get Goga Bataze, Aaron Holiday, and Doug McDermott, and the Pacers get Derek White and Rudy Gay. Um, so, Tom, I'll ask you right away, would you do that trade? All right, let me go over this again. Goga, Aaron, who, who else? and Doug McDermott Aaron for Derek and White Doug, and Rudy okay. Gay. Goga, huh. That, that's actually pretty tolerable. See, my thing with it is I like it. I really, I think Derek, Derek White's definitely the best player in that trade. Um, but then it's just kind of like, well, he can't really start with Malcolm and Vic and he's a starting caliber player. Um, so I think that would be a little bit murky. Rudy Gay would be um, a nice bench piece. Um, See, that, that's my thing. Like, I, I'm a, uh, I'm kind of a fan of Rudy Gay. Oh, I love Rudy um, Gay. He was, he was a, not to tell my own story real quick, but uh, <laughs> Rudy Gay was like my first favorite player uh, other than Danny Granger. And for all of his flaws, I just, I think he was an incredible player. Never got his, uh, his kind of fair due. And he really just turned things around in San Antonio, but um, no, he'd yeah, be and, a nice addition. And, and I mean, he never got to where I thought he could get, yeah. um, you know, um, like you say, like when he was at his peak, but on the, on his way down on the backside of his career now as a vet, as a guy who can still rise up and hit shots. Um, and still dunk, man. Like and, his and dunks like were say, incredible. It, 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 to have that kind of guy as a, as a great role player, 
uh, intrigues me. So, yeah, and I've never um, heard anything poor about him, minus the uh, um, ripping down the stat sheet in the Toronto locker room. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, he, I think that would be great. And Derek White would be phenomenal for the team. Uh, but, again, I think it's just weird with the, with the guards, but you could find a way to make it work. So I would definitely do that. Um, you're obviously gambling yeah. the future a little bit with Goga and exactly. Aaron. And I, I guess, mean, I mean, Aaron and Derek are about the same age, actually, I think. But um, it, you would be giving up on Goga pretty early. Right. That, and that would be the, that would be, you know, I, I mean, I guess Rudy Gay would fill in some of the gaps of, of Doug. So I think he'd provide um, more than Doug too. And so, I mean, you, he, you lose right. some of the shooting. Ways, Rudy's right. like a yeah. good spot. He can be okay as a spot up shooter. He's not really a movement guy, but I mean, he can still do a ton against fours facing up and, and taking them off the dribble. Um, probably a better passer than Doug, definitely a better uh, getting to the rim uh, and a, a better defender too. So I, I'd like that. Honestly, I, I can't find any qualms with it. Um, so moving on to the second trade. That, from, that was nice. That was nice. Yeah. I like that trade. This trade, nice not so much. <laughs> um, this is, so we went from a, a nice line drive to a, a, a pop fly uh, very quickly. Sorry, man. I got to do it. Uh, Detroit receives miles Turner and Jeremy lamb and the Pacers receive Blake oh. Griffin. Um, mm. I see, this is tough. I mean, it's not, I, I won't dunk on this one. I think this is this is like closer than it seems. I wouldn't do it just given Blake's injury history um, and his contract. And I know it's only two two or three more years. I think it's two more years of Blake's contract. Um, yeah, I think it's at least two, yeah. I think if, if Blake returns to form from last year, so not this past season, but the year before when he was a legitimate top 15 player in the league, then it's fantastic. But if he doesn't, that's – a, a massive downfall. Um, so I think that's really hard to stomach if that doesn't go well because of how much money it is. Um, and I wonder what his fit would be like next to to Domas because, I mean, he's really a, a, a fantastic initiator um, in some of the same spots as Domas. Um, but I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, that, that is actually a little better than I was expecting when you were... <laughs> I was a little bit harsh at first. I'm sorry. uh, But I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been a guy who has not enjoyed watching Blake Griffin play. What? You don't like Blake Griffin? I I like his game, but I've always, he's always annoyed the shit out of me. (laughs) Um, And so, but he's also the type of guy, if he was, if he did come to the Pacers, if he wasn't, complaining on every call and getting calls that's the clipper that way very disappointed i know but i you know like i say if he was doing it with the pacers i'd probably enjoy it a lot more and almost start rooting for that come on i want it, i want him to complain on every call see it's um, funny i love the lob city clippers i won't lie yeah every they were my western conference team i really i mean obviously i was i was uh, I was a big fan watching the Pacers, but I mean, the, the Lob City Clippers were, were great. And what, you know what, you, you have to have two teams who both, who both just can't get it done in the conference finals. So, yeah. And well, they had a couple of games at the field house in their heyday that were just beyond annoying. Um, I can't remember if the Pacers won those games, but it was, they were great games. And um, I think I'd have to look back. I don't have access right now, but the, um, they were great games, but those guys, Chris Paul, <laughs> like, I mean, every time I've known for it, it seemed like every time play stopped, yeah. it was, uh, you know, they were 
they were uh, trying to get a call. So, um, but anyways, I mean, that's the type of guy that you know would be intriguing if you're gonna if you're gonna move Miles Turner. You know, we, we kind of talked about Aaron Gordon, who I think is probably a Blake Griffin light. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you get the regular Blake Griffin, then um, it would be intriguing. It'd definitely be a different, uh, completely shake that the way they're playing up a bit. And again, you're gambling heavy on those knees. But yeah, um, so I could yeah. see it. I think, yeah, there are merits to it. I definitely was way too harsh at the beginning. <laughs> I would think about it, but I think I'd come down on the fact that his contract is just like a little bit too big. Um, for me to want to take on, but yeah, I, would, yeah, I would think yeah. about it. It's worth a gamble, um, but I don't know. Um, so on to the final trade. The Bulls receive Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, 2022 first, that is top five protected, uh, 2021 second round pick, and the Pacers get back Zach Levine and Thad Young. Oh. I love you, that, obviously. Yeah, um, I do too. Even though Zach Levine is a Seattle guy, he's always been one of those keen, you know, put up good numbers guys, but I'm just not sold on him as a, as a key cog on a great team. Yeah. So you can talk me out of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd love the I, dunks. I think that I would do it. Um, I don't love like having to give up a first, but I mean, it, Based yeah. on this team, it's probably going to be a bottom 10 first anyways. Um, I mean, Zach Levine would be the best player on the team. Uh, well, behind Domas, he would be the best player on the team behind Domas. That would obviously be nice. Um, and I think you just look at it and you're like, okay, well, again, I mean, it's weird because you'd have the three guards in the backcourt. I don't know how that shakes out. I also don't think the Bulls would do it because they have Wendell Carter. So I don't know why they would want Miles back. But I just in the hypothetical yeah. trade, um, I think you would take in Zach and hope that having you know a good organization around him for the first time in his career um would be good for him and i think it would i mean he is a insanely gifted scorer insanely gifted athlete uh really not an awesome playmaker and uh defensively that's oh man uh it's a can of worms but i think if he was in a better system with um the right vets and guys around him i think that could be good um so i would do it just based on pure talent level how how do you have any idea how old Zach Levine is right now? Oh, like, he's uh, probably he's 20. Up to, I'll look it up on point where basketball he's, reference. He can't be that old because um, he was I drafted. Know, he I mean, he, which he, is not fair for me. To he left do. UCLA when he was 18, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He got drafted in 2014. So, he, yeah, he's 25 right now. Okay. Okay. And he just – yeah, that was, his sixth, that was his sixth season already. That is nuts. Yeah. Also, he's I mean, an I, injury concern guy. He's only played over 70 oh, yeah. games twice in his career. Yeah. So, but I, w- I would do yeah, it. For, he's, he's a good enough player. To if do we're it. going with Miles on that, I mean, I'd, I would be more interested in even Laurie Markman, obviously Wendell Carter, probably. But Wendell um, Carter is a guy who should be a pacer, as far as I'm concerned. He's, just, he's got the correct demeanor. Yeah. He's like a third he's Davis solid. brother. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, he's solid. All right, so here is the next one. Uh, Well, yeah, so I'm definitely a yes on that trade, though. Um, So from SpongeBob Karate Chops, he sent us a ton. Um, So if we cut McConnell and our other cap pool guys, do you think we have money for Lance, Glenn Robinson III, and Alze? Ah, we're running it all the way back. 
Yeah. I, I'm, even if we do have the money on that, I, I don't know about that. I would love, I, I will not love. I think Glenn Robinson the third would be a nice guy to have here on like a partial MLE. I think he could be like a four or $5 million guy. Um, oh, I think he's, he's still uh, yeah. quality. Like I would, I would take Glenn. Yeah. I, I am out on Lance though. I there's, I'm sorry. I understand. I, I understand that, that people have a fascination with Lance. I don't, I, uh, I'm I'm very much not a fan of the Lance experience. Lance is an indie. He's just waiting. He's I know. Out at uh, shout out to Pace Fitness. Uh, my boys go there, and uh, he's been working out there. And uh, you know, just waiting for a call from anyone. It, it blows my mind that he doesn't get a call from anyone. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'll, got- I'll be honest. His last year with the Lakers, he was pretty good. <laughs> like I was surprised that he didn't get a deal after that. It's it's incredible, um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, as you wrote today, I mean, the Pacers don't have any, any room to budge on, on bringing a guy in like that. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Even, so that's the thing. Even moves, even with yeah, I, oh, sorry, it happened. Yeah, and this will answer. I'll I'll hit on this again uh, on a later question because I know there's another one similar to this. But really, the Pacers just do not have a lot of flexibility this uh, this off season. If the based on the tax threshold. If the tax threshold stays yeah. at $139 million, even if they cut McConnell, they really can't do too much. Um, and that would only save $2.5 million, which isn't a ton in the grand scheme. Um, and the problem with the cap hold guys, I mean, I guess you would include letting Justin go in the cap hold, but that still only frees up $5.5 million. Um, so like the most pliability you really have is Justin's cap hold, um, because all of the other cap hold guys are on minimum deals or two-way deals. So you're not getting any lower in terms of money on that. Um, so really you only have, I'm nerding out right here, but I spent so much time looking at it yesterday that I have to. Um, I mean, you really only have six or $7 million in swing money if you were to let Justin's cap hold go and uh, not guarantee McConnell's contract. But um, th- so that's, I, I just don't even think you get enough back that that's worth doing. Um, but that, yeah. that's where I'm at on that. Um, if you can get Lance in on a vet min, which after not playing in the league for a year, I'm sure that's doable. I still oh, don't know if I do it because I, I don't know. This team just needs a four. Like they need a four. They've needed a four for three years, and they've never signed one. And it's just if no, I, I'm I'm out on Lance. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> next question uh, from Yubabaya on assistant coaches. With only the Rockets and the Thunder openings left, MDA won't get a head coaching job for the next season. Do you think he would be a good addition to the Pacers? How about Finch? That with SVG might – oh, yeah, because S, he might not stay in, in New Orleans because of SVG. Right. Um, and do you have any other coaches that you would like to see at the Pacers bench? Um, also, just before I ask you, it would be so cathartic if Mike D'Antoni got, like, rehired by the Rockets. I know it won't happen, but that would be kind of funny to me. Um, but <laughs> – I what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I do think um, you know after Brooklyn was hired, I thought I wonder if they're gonna try and get a guy who has been a head coach. Um, that's uh, a lot of times a formula um, you know newer coaches use to uh, you know add the guy who has been um, in the top chair before on the bench. If he's available, not. I have a feeling. Uh, you know, I don't know about that, Tony. At the stage of his career, he'd rather just do some media <laughs> and wait for another job, uh, as opposed to 
being an assistant and and doing all the uh, day-to-day work that that entails. Um, now, Chris Finch, adding him to the bench, that would be spectacular. Uh, I saw the Clippers snatched up uh, Craig from, from the Heat. So uh, the, the one thing the Pacers have is, uh, as Pritchard said, a book on a lot of really good assistant coaches. So yeah. I'm sure they're going to be reaching out. And obviously, they're, um, you know, Doc Rivers has a staff, and it sounds like the Clippers are about done filling up. The, the Clippers signed. I mean, they're, I actually think it's really funny, or not funny. I, I'm interested to see how that works. I know Ty Lue is really good at you know not being a big ego guy, um, but that'll just be so interesting. I mean, they have like four guys who are all trying to get head coaching spots. That's a lot to fit into one coaching staff. I mean, Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> Sam Cassell, um, Chauncey Phillips there. Like, I mean, it's a star-studded staff. But I, I don't know. Like I, I'm not trying to speak into existence that it's going to go poorly or something. But I, I just based on a lot of things that I know about coaching and coaches, like uh, they're 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 strong little people and they they are very self believing. Uh, which I mean, you have to be to be a really good coach. Um, but I think that could create some interesting uh, interesting chemistry in, in the uh, in the coaching locker room. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the Clippers, they already have interesting chemistry with the roster so um it's a a matter of uh, how they handle adversity right i know uh um the the team didn't handle it too well the players so now we'll see if uh those coaches can come together but man you're right laying those guys all out in a row i hadn't thought about it that way (laughs) that is uh that's that's quite a, a lineup, and you wonder if, if any of them are going to be looking over their shoulder, wondering if everybody's on the same page. Yeah, no, it's it's something that I'm definitely keeping an eye on because it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I'm not sure. Um, in terms of like what I'm looking at and, and guys who could be here, of course, Chris Finch. I really think that there's legs on that. I talked about that on setting the pace yesterday with um, Alex Golden and Tony East. We did a fun crossover pod. Um, I think that would be a good hire, obviously. I'm interested to see. I, I want to do some research on guys that Nate coached with in the G League because um, I think he'll yeah. maybe look to, to hire some of those guys. I don't think there's any real chance that Mike D'Antonio would come be an assistant in Indiana because, um, I mean, he has the opportunity to go. I know that he was rumored to go assistant coach with the Nets, and he'd be with two former players of his in Amari Stoudemire and, and Steve Nash, which Amari Stoudemire, one of the – guys who I never expected to become a coach, but I like it. I think that's cool for him. Um, but I, I just, when I saw that, I was like, oh, Amari Stoudemire is coaching now. Like I, I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, one guy I mentioned as well, who I, I really liked the idea of, but he's not going to be available because he's coaching the G League Select team now is Brian Shaw. Um, I know he was really highly regarded when he was an assistant with the Pacers and, and was almost yeah. given the job after Frank Vogel uh, was fired, but um, that is not going to happen. So I, I don't really have anyone else just because we don't know a ton about assistance most of the time. Um, maybe you could snatch somebody like David Vanterpool from from Minnesota, but that would be a lateral move, except he'd actually be in a good organization. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's where I'm at on that question. Yeah, I, I, I've had the same thought as you as far as like who, um, even, even if there's a, a lower guy with the, Raptors, who you know, Bjorken really believes in 
and who could step up a, a notch. Um, or again, like you say, someone in the G League, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he tapped into one or two of those type of guys as well. Um, but it, you know, it helps to have uh, some guys with some NBA experience, um, whether they played or coached on that bench. If you're a guy who, you know, doesn't have an NBA playing experience, I know, um, you know, a guy like Popeye Jones is here and, and guys who have, who have been, been through it um, can often help with certain situations throughout a season or, or with an individual player, like you mm-hmm. said with Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw was a great Paul George whisperer while he was here. Um, so, you know, the, those guys have can have an impact uh, on different players. Um, and I know, you know, talking about, I know Caitlin's mentioned before, you know, Billy Bainer has been a big um, DeMontis Sabonis guy. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if he remained in the mix as well uh, going forward. But um, I kind of feel like maybe they're in the same situation <laughs> uh, as it at least the team was that when they were waiting to hire their head coach, kind of waiting to see where all these guys fall, um, what, you know, having their feelers out maybe with a fan who maybe has some different options and they're, they're waiting on them because there really hasn't been any movement on assistant coaches, which is a little bit surprising because I know that, you know, that was the next step after you get Bjork in here is fill up that staff. Um, so, uh, you know, surely they have a, a list of guys that are going down right now, and that's a matter of getting them in here. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm, I'm thinking we'll see some stuff on that soon, especially with everything that's coming up about the off season. I'd be surprised if we don't start seeing hirings maybe this week, um, but that's just my read on it. Yeah, I agree. So next question from Class Hicks: um, How will the luxury tax freeze? Uh, so I mean, the luxury tax staying the same if it does. Um, impact the Pacers and other teams. Uh, it seems like an opportunity for teams with cap space. So I really like this. And I wrote about this yeah. today, actually. Yeah. Um, there are really only four or five teams that have cap space this summer. And one way that I think that it could be really interesting, um, you look at some of the guys who could be prime MLE targets, like a guy like uh, Paul Millsap or Jay Crowder, who might get more than the MLE. Um, Mo Harkless, who's somebody I would really like for the Pacers if they made a move that opened up money for the MLE. Um, I think you could see some of the teams that do have cap space, like the Hawks, um, kind of spend over on a guy on like a one-year deal to like really draw them in and and out of like, okay, instead of being an MLE guy, you can come play for the Hawks for an extra $5 million because we have the cap space to do it. Um, I think, you know, that's something that one of my friends who writes for Peachtree Hoops um, covering the Hawks, he wrote about them doing that with, with Mo Harkless, and that's a very real possibility. So I think that's one way that the cap freeze could impact things. Another thing is you could see a lot of guys um, – I don't want to say you could. I mean, it's just potential. Um, I think you could definitely see some cap-saving moves. Um, like, I'm not saying that guys are going to get cut or slashed, but maybe you see deals get restructured or something just to um, to make things happen, to, to try and free stuff up. Because, I mean, the Pacers are so close – so close to hitting the tax threshold. And there are teams that are way closer to going over. So I'm really interested to see what teams do in order to try and, and maintain that. Because I think it's going to be, a, I don't want to say that there are a lot of owners trying to cut costs, but um, 
I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're definitely going to try and keep it at least flat, which again, as I mentioned earlier, is that is kind of turns the salaries and a little bit of monopoly money. <laughs> um, so, because it'll all boil down to how the basketball-related income uh, turns out as a, as um, to factor in at least how much you're actually paying somebody. So, you know, definitely going to want to bump up against that, that um, tax threshold because in the end, you're actually probably not going to be paying a player that much money. You know, it's kind of a similar thing. I was thinking of when, with um, some reports, um, what was it, listening to, I think oh, it was Bobby Marks and, and Zach Lowe talking about Victor Oladipo and how they might be coming back to the table with the Pacers. And, you know, if he, if he got a four-year, $115 million contract, which is a lot and would really tighten things up for future movement for sure. Um, but again, you're talking about how much of that money are they actually going to be paying out? Um, it, the, the whole system is kind of in, in a situation where I don't know how, you know, how each team's going to be able to not, you know, pay more and get up to that, that, um, Threshold if they want to get some players in there, especially, um, you know, with, with all the craziness going on with the, the bubbles and, and all the after the players are now going through to play, you know, are, are they going to be happy playing on a team that's not winning or not in the playoffs? You know, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden you, you're, you don't know what's going to go on and you could be out, out of the mix, out of the limelight, out of, you know, being an NBA player for, several months so um what how are they going to react are they going to take less money as well to go to a better team and, and load up half the league and uh you know this is a, a crazy time the way things are, are sitting here and um you know obviously i don't have any answers because i'm kind of rambling about what, what the situation is but it can go in so many different directions um and I, I think at least for the Pacers, is that, you know, that they got to max out what they can, what they're willing to do right now um, to, you know, make, make a push with, with what they got. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so moving into our next question um, from Leonardo Spera on Twitter. Um, since we're three weeks away from the draft, are there some particular players you'd like at 54 that could help filling the team's weak spots? Um, I don't know if you, you've done any stuff on the draft. I'm looking. I have. Uh, I don't want to give stuff away because I've been working on it for a while, and I have still a decent amount more work to do, but I'm hoping to have something out within the next week, maybe after next weekend. That would be a lot of work on my part, but we'll see. Um, so I don't want to say too much about the draft, but uh, do you have any thoughts on it? Um. The 54th pick? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know just looking at kind of players around that area, um, I know that the two, there's a couple of Kentucky guards, Quickly and Hagens, um, who would maybe fall in there, who, you know, those type of guys I'm, I'm good on at that point because um, obviously they're not um, – the finished product, but 
I, I like those Kentucky guys just because they go to Kentucky planning on going to the NBA as fast as possible. Um, and then when they're not a top 20 pick, you know, they've been humbled. <laughs> they've been humbled and they know how to work. And so, you know, to me, that that those are good qualities in an NBA player. Another guy I kind of find intriguing, I think he's down around that area, is um, Kenyon Martin Jr., mm-hmm. who I guess also maybe humbled a bit. He he decided not to go to college. I think he went to IMG. Yeah, he did. Um, active wing player and is a guy who, you know, is interesting because he'd be young, obviously a developmental guy, but um, you know, definitely has some some potential there to grow into a you know a guy who outplays his draft position. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll speak on him for a sec because he's somebody. Am I that, in the ballpark? <laughs> yeah, no, I think you are. These are I have uh, I I'll tell you about it after because I'm trying to make it a surprise because I want it to be kind of cool. Um, but Kenyon Martin Jr. is definitely someone I've looked at. He's a real, mm-hmm. like, he's a conundrum because he yeah. has the, I mean, crazy vertical athleticism. Um, I have to watch more of the rest of his athleticism, but just in terms of, like, a raw skill guy, I mean, he he he's not there yet in terms of skill development or shooting or anything. Um, but, I mean, he's definitely got the, the physical attributes to be an NBA player. Um, it'd be interesting. I mean, I think he's a guy – like you look at him and you're like, okay, well maybe he's a, we draft him and just have him play start in the G league for a year. See what happens. Um, try yeah. and grow him through that. Maybe call him up for a couple NBA assignments. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of doing that. I, I really think that that's something that I want to, to kind of develop. Um, I, I don't know what your opinions are on Fort Wayne and the way that the Madians have been handled. As far as I know, they're a pretty good organization. But I do think there's been, I don't want to say disconnect between them and the main league. I mean, not main league, the main affiliate, um, obviously the Pacers. Um, but I would really like to see them do some stuff like um, like what the Raptors do. I mean, they are so intertwined with Raptors 905 and and the main, um, main team, obviously. And, and just growing and developing those guys and, and making sure that you're doing things in the same way that the the top team is and, you know, and as much as you can without having the same personnel. Um, but just really having those two coaching staffs um, and front offices kind of interlocked and working together. And I, again, I'm not trying to say that the Pacers aren't, but I think uh, just like we know with, with the way that some guys have or really haven't gotten playing time, I think that's going to be huge for this team moving forward. So yeah, that's kind of that, where I'm that at. Was- I mean, I know that that the two organizations that have been working closely together the past couple of years, um, and you know, trying to develop that type of a, um, a relationship, as you mentioned. And I, but I think again, it kind of goes back to what we heard with uh, the Bjorkman um, announcements or interviews and stuff. Um, you know. They had a lot. We had a lot of guys going up there, but guys weren't coming back down. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And then playing much, you know, they weren't getting the opportunities. So, um, I I do think that they have um, worked and and they want their guys. You know, they're giving prescriptions for those guys to go up and, and for things to work on and and sets to run and things to do 
to see how they do um, that would be in a similar uh, context of what the Pacers are doing. Uh, but again, you know, if, if they're not coming back and then getting to play a little bit on the bigger stage, then, um, then you know, there's that nod to development that you're missing out on. And, I, you know, obviously that's a, a fine line, depends on the coaching. But I, I feel like Bjork will probably be a little friendlier. Yeah, Not probably. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, and I want to reiterate <laughs> to you, like, no I don't, I don't think that it was necessarily on anything, like in terms of disconnect on front offices or anything. But I think a lot of it just comes back to the way that Nate coached. You know, I mean, not Bjorkren, but Coach McMillan coached, and I think right. obviously part of the reason why why KP brought in a new Nate. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's where I'm at on that. And again, I'll have something coming out on that soon. But I'm. Uh, Definitely, I have my eye on stuff, so don't worry. You'll have an answer soon for me. Um, so moving to the next question from, I believe it's Juice. It's at AKA underscore morning. Um, with all the speculation regarding Victor and Miles, as well as a coaching change, what do you think is going to happen? Could we be in for a pritch slap, which I love that, um, when the draft hits November 18th? Will we make trades or will we stand pat? If we may trace, how likely is it that Pritchard is open to taking on short-term big contracts with picks added to them? Zach Lowe mentioned earlier this week that Indy might not want to pay Malcolm Domas, Vic Miles, and in 2022, TJ trading Vic and or Miles for an expiring in 2021, resigned to a smaller deal, um, plus a pick creates room. Um, so obviously a big question. Um, what yes. are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, that's... Yeah, that pretty much covers all the issues under one umbrella uh, facing the Pacers here. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, as a se- right after the season, right after the playoff flame out, I think everybody felt like there would be some movement with, with Vic and with Miles. Um, now, as time has moved on, you know, you start hearing rumblings that, you know, honestly, I don't think the market out there for Victor is what he thought or his agent thought it might be. Um, so, you know, maybe he's reconsidering, um, you know, the grass may not be greener, literally, where uh, where they've been looking around. And, and the, you know, real quick, you know, let's not kid ourselves that, you know, we're, we're talking about the draft and, and free agency. When are all those dates going to be going on? The, you know, the season ended. These guys are are in touch with teams. They know what's going on. They know the landscape. Um, so, you know, when you start hearing these different um, different chatter about, oh yeah, maybe you know Nate B and and Victor had a great conversation. Victor's all in. Never heard of more positive. Um, you know, and then you hear reports like, you know, Zach Lowe saying, you know, maybe maybe they're back at the table talking about extension. You know, that's because there's other things going on, other discussions, and, and they're finding out the uh, the lay of the land. Um, but again, if you've signed Victor to $113 million and you've got, you know, you got Brockman, you got Sabonis left up, you know, Miles or Sabonis is going to have to go because um, you're going to have TJ Warren coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like you say, the math is 
doesn't add up at some point. I know the extensions down the road here and, and things will change, but, um, but Sabonis is down the road too. And, and that's going to be a little bit bigger the next time around. Um, hopefully because he'll be continuing to, to develop into a great player. Um, so I'm, I'm still not sold on, on the Vic extension right now with what we've seen from Victor because he's, he hasn't been a player that you know would play up to a contract of twenty eight million or twenty five million, and you know you think about what the Wizards did with John Wall. Now they had the super super max, and you know those numbers are, are out of bounds. But um, they, they've just been completely handcuffed by that big contract with a guy that. You know, they knew it was a risk at the time, but they felt like had to do it. Um, so from a PR situation, I think Victor still, if he signed the extension, I think, you know, a lot of the fans would kind of flip on, you know, there's been a lot of people who are probably like, ah, if Vic wants to leave, fine, let him go. I think if he signed the extension, people would flip right back to love him Vic. Yeah, um, I agree. But would that be the best for the Pacers long term? And I, I still feel like, Man, I'd need to see a lot more out of them uh, before that happened. It'd be nice if they could play at least a half a season before they sign that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I agree with that. Tough situation. It's, that's a really, it's uh, a great way to put it, Tom. I, I, I'm not really sure. I think my way of looking at this and answering it um, right now, I think you know, basically from uh, the opening presser for for Coach Bjorkman, everything KP said. Um, we have nothing to to go off of to say that anything will happen, but I'd also point at we had nothing to go off of when TJ Warren was traded for uh, at at the right. um, at the draft last year. Um, we had nothing to go off of with uh, the OKC deal coming out of nowhere and that being taken. Um, at least on my, that was not on my radar. I don't know if that was really heavily reported before it happened. I feel like that came out of nowhere. Um, you know, everything was either Denver or Cleveland and even Boston came up as well. Um, Kevin Pritchard is really good at making quiet moves. So, um, again, this would be a much more high profile thing. Well, not more high profile than Paul George. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at on that. This just basically it's reinforced by everything that happened with, with Nate getting hired, um, like we yeah. really don't know what's happening until it happens, unless you're like super close on the inside. And um, you know what, Tom, right now that's not either of us because uh, we can't even be out <laughs> doing anything. So um, yeah, I think that that's what I'd say uh, right now. I, I don't think that we're going to see some massive groundbreaking change, but I, uh, I, I don't know. I think anything's in the cards. Um, so we got two more questions. I'm going to take two more because we've been on for a while. So I want to get us out of here and I will, uh, to everyone listening, if you sent something in, I will go back and answer it in the comment section. So don't worry. Um, so from Cam Neisler, as a Pacers fan, what would your ideal return be from Boston in a Miles Turner trade? So ideally we get Jason Tatum. Um, no, I guess it would be realistic, right? (laughs) Um, I think my my answer when I don't think it'll happen, but just if it is realistic and trying like I guess it's not super realistic, but within the realm of possibility, um, you make a like the trade is just miles straight up for miles and like a second round pick or something for 
for Gordon Hayward and Gordon Hayward is signed and traded. Like he opts out of his deal and he signed and traded to the Pacers on like a um, three for 60 or something like that. Like pretty comparable to miles's deal. Um, and I know miles's deal is longer, but just in terms of money, like, I think that's what I'd, I'd say. I mean, I personally don't, I was talking with Alex Golden and Tony East about this yesterday on that podcast. Um, uh, Alex mentioned something about, you know, a sign and trade for Gordon Hayward where he's making $25 million. And I am not interested in paying that in four years. If I'm Kevin Pritchard, um, I don't think that would age it incredibly well. And again, like just mentioning, you have to pay TJ in two years. You have to pay Victor if he's still on the team next year. I mean, like there's so much that's going to happen in terms of having to pay guys, but it, I think that would be my ideal return for Boston. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be ideal with, with that type of extension. Uh, I, for me, ideal is still Jalen Brown. Um, if only. I think he's almost – I personally, just after everything that happened in the bubble with him and Tatum, I think he's not going to get traded by, by the Celtics. I oh, think they're no, kind of – I agree. Yeah. I mean, he's – I mean, he's not as good a player as Jason Tatum, but I feel like he's as valuable. He's such a good um, – well, the biggest thing about him for me is that he's not going to whine about his role. Like – he knows, okay, right. this is what I'm good at. This is the stuff I need to work on. Jason is the best player on this team. And I think that in itself is so huge um, just because there are a yeah, lot of guys who struggle just, to do and that. And also it's like, what What do you need me to do? Okay, I'll do it. You know, just – and you can do, you know, go to whoever, whomever and and make plays. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of his, but he, he got too good – too good too soon so yeah well i don't do you remember i i I wouldn't you know going back just um do you remember it was like right before the season last year right before the tip-off and and you know it was kind of coming down to the wire on domas uh domas getting his contract from the pacers and the same thing was happening with jalen brown and the celtics and it was almost a swap i don't know if you remember that being reported like yeah um, I remember, I think I talked to Tony about that and he did not even remember that. I don't want to misquote Tony. That might not have been Tony, but um, I remember that almost happening. And it's, I, I, I think you still want Sabonis just because Jalen is not a guy who's going to initiate his own offense, at least not a, a like he won't initiate for others. And you can't, we saw how detrimental that was to the Pacers not having Domas. But uh, I mean, if the team was a little bit different, you'd maybe you'd think about, you know, what it would be like having Jalen instead of Domas. But I still think like, it worked out best for both teams. Yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> Definitely can't complain. Well, uh, <laughs> actually, well, I'm not going to take the last question. I think we're we're good, and I will answer all the rest of those on, on IC and on Twitter. Um, go on forever. These are great questions. Yeah, no, these are great questions. I, I, I always appreciate them. And just to everyone who's sending questions, thank you. To everyone who's listening, thank you as well. Um, it's really awesome to do this for you guys and, and that you that you care so much about it because I care a ton about it too. Um, so thank you for listening. If you have not already, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Obviously, subscribe anywhere else you can get our podcast. And of course, read us over at Indie Cornrows. I just put out a new article today. It's a little bit, uh, I don't want to say, it's it's very cap nerd heavy. I'm not really a cap nerd, but I, I, I'm starting to understand it a lot better. Um, so I wrote a lot about, you know, kind of where the paces are at with the cap and um, how if it changes at all this summer, that could impact them and their ability to re-sign Justin Holiday. So uh, go read that and send me some your thoughts on it. I'd love to hear what you think. Um, Tom, thanks for coming on. This was a fun time. We'll definitely be uh, back together again in a day or two. Uh, and just have a good rest of your day, guys.